This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. The understanding that something must be addressed regarding mental health issues is a much-discussed topic right now. And while there are changes in approach coming forward, we are still, in some cases, waiting to see that groundbreaking change. Inside of the bigger discussion of mental health is a focus on some of the issues that youth are having in that area. Philadelphia area native, I should say Philadelphia area company, Tritium, is trying to impact this area with a new uh, health assessment tool designed specifically for kids. CEO Mark Redless joins us to discuss what they are working on. Mark also just happens to be a Wharton grad, so it gives them an opportunity to be visiting old stomping grounds. Mark, great to meet you. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Dan. It's great being here. I want to start, before we get into the company, but why specifically for you and the company, the focus on children's mental health? So, uh, you know, a a growing percentage, I think, of the issues that are going on with mental health happen to be uh, um, kind of pulling or coming out uh, with with the youth, with five to 17-year-olds. And you're seeing that manifest in, um, you know, obviously in the media, where we're seeing this around high schools around the country, and this pediatric kind of movement towards um, you know, paying attention to these issues earlier on uh, and getting parents and children involved in, in, uh, in looking at that and, and uh, getting after those issues is, is something that's, that, that we're seeing a lot more of in the health systems, the integrated health delivery systems we work with. And uh, that kind of precipitated our move to, to launch a new product to support that. So you're talking about an area which, as you kind of alluded to, you have the kids, you have the yep. parents, you have schools, you have hospitals. This, there, there are so many kind of connective pieces within just this focus right now. Yeah, I, it's it, what the major challenges are is how do we get help for these kids? Yeah. And, and, you know, these these situations are manifesting in all those places and different stakeholder uh, venues that you're talking about there that that everybody's uh, traveling through. Um, and the default situation or the default place you're going to go for help typically will be to your doctor. I mean, that's usually the broadest point of care, whether it's for an adult or a child right. is, you know, I'm going to go to my pediatrician and, and I need some help. And the situations or the issues, I don't think they're any different than they were probably 30 years ago. They're certainly more um, uh, visible. visible out yeah. there in the, yeah. in the world, but they're not, um, but they're probably not any worse. And, but with this destigmatization of, of mental health issues, people seem to be more and more comfortable about talking about their own depression, um, sometimes maybe broadening out what's going on with them and calling it depression, but it could be anxiety, it could be PTSD, it could be a variety of uh, issues along those lines. Those all migrate into to children as well. And, and so um, being able to figure out or, or get in the situation between child and and parent and and in investing our time in that to support those interactions, we're trying to bring out and surface those issues in these settings uh, earlier rather than later before they turn into you know really manifest into a, into pretty serious situations. So then, tr- tritium is what in in this whole process? Yeah. So so we're a digital technology be, digital behavioral health technology company um, specializing specifically in outcomes management around this this particular area, running the gamut of everything I just mentioned depression 
uh, anxiety, PTSD, and, and associated issues around addictions and things like that. Um, we, we score and assess the risk um, of patients, again, ranging from ages five all the way through 90, uh, or up, up past 90 probably, um, and scoring the, the risk on those folks and then tracking how they improve or don't improve over time uh, with our technology. And in the process, we actually facilitate some expanded capability around servicing and serving those patients and supporting those patients with providers in the different interventions that you would have from social work to psychiatry. And, and seemingly there are, when you think of all, all aspects of, of the health industry right now, the, the technology side of it is such a, a, a crucial part. Yeah. And we see it more and more even when you go to the hospitals, but obviously a lot of the companies that are involved behind the scenes in terms of trying to use the technology and the data and the analytics to be able to bring forth new ideas to be able to tackle a lot of these these health concerns. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there was a, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there was this movement towards EHR, EMR-based systems, and you see them all over the country. If you've gone to your physician at all in the last year, you probably encountered those via a tablet or, or some type of interaction in the exam room. And those were all largely um, organized around compliance and kind of check the box, keep, keep track of the data and protect patient privacy. But there's this been, been this emergence, and we're part of this emergence in the last uh, probably five years, but certainly more more pointedly in the last three of point based solutions supporting direct care okay. um, with with patients and supporting the inter interactions between provider, said provider, and patient. And we're part of that kind of growing movement that starts potentially in the in the provider patient interaction directly and migrates into mobility-based solutions with your iPhones and, and tablets and things like that. So is that, is that really the best way, uh, and I think a lot of people believe that, whether it is doing an app that you're able to download and connect via your tablet or smartphone, that is really kind of the, the way, one of the best ways to be able to connect with not only the medical community, but with the potential patients as well. Yeah, yeah. I, obviously, you want to get people where they are, and most of us are always on our phones. Yeah. So to be able to capture um, that time outside of the regular therapeutic sessions uh, that that you know uh, I think drive a lot of the mental health interactions today, mental health treatment interactions. Being able to extend beyond that is a is a big part of this, and the and the part that shouldn't go um, kind of uh, un unlooked at or un unreviewed is is the idea of social support. So this growing sure, yeah. this growing area of beyond the regular treatment protocol is surfacing other ways where people that have problems, people that have depression or PTSD are finding other folks that have those problems and maybe further along in their journey supporting one another. That really is is part of the new expanded view of kind of the patient journey is supporting them well beyond what would be considered clinical you know, traditional clinical therapies. So, so. How, how, how specifically are you trying to tackle the youth aspect of this involving the technology side of it? Yeah, so our product, which uh, we, we launched officially this week, but um, it's now present in a couple of different integrated health delivery systems around the country right now, larger systems. Um, our, our product sits right at the point of when the patient, the, the child, comes in for their first appointment. And it's used to assess and score kind of where they are right now. Right. Again, a battery of all those things, depression, anxiety, things that, that kids are facing that we're all facing. But it's, it also incorporates the parental 
part of that feedback loop too. So it actually provides an assessment platform for both child and parent that it and then brings right. and joins it together to give the therapist, the doctor, the the clinician a more comprehensive view of what's going on with this child so that we can really work and prioritize these issues and challenges in our sessions with them. So how do you how do you grade or gauge where that person is? I, I mean, yeah. obviously the data has to play a big role in terms of what you see with that child, what you hear from the parent, but also probably on a grander scale, what the medical community has seen with a lot of these issues in the years past. Yeah, so um, we're we're probably the most well-validated um, uh, digital behavioral health technology company that exists, certainly in the United States, if not the world. We, um, we've gone through more than 30-plus peer-reviewed scientific and validated publications, been part of more than two dozen studies um, over the last decade and a half plus. Um, uh, with really critical research partners putting the science into this technology. And part of that science, um, it kind of manifests in two ways. One is that scoring per uh, capability that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And the other part is our predictive capabilities of how well this patient is likely to fare during treatment and what your expectations should be in, sure. in that treatment. The, the scoring part of this, um, which we've dubbed the BHI, and that's that's how the world knows of it uh, from us in, in the clinical world. Behavior Health Index. Behavior Health Index, yeah. right. The BHI is a percentile score index, a composite index that looks at um, multiple dimensions of behavioral health function or dysfunction in that case, incorporating right. depression, anxiety. Um, subjective well-being, overall functioning, those types of things. Right. And that scoring is, as you might expect, the higher that score goes, the more severe that patient sure. is relative yeah. to the rest of the population. So that is all informed largely from many, a myriad of, um, of scientific studies that we've done in multiple systems around the country um, with large, large study population groups, both phase one and phase two um, based trials and the like. And we've We've compared that to other validated measures that exist out there to look at how someone, how risky or how severe somebody is in, in what they're dealing with. Right. So all that scoring goes in right at the start, uh, and then we score that patient, that child or that adult, for almost every session yeah. of, of treatment that they go through, we're scoring to, to kind of measure the progress of that and see how that hopefully is declining over time. The other part, to which you alluded to a second ago, which yeah. is obviously important when you're talking about dealing with kids, right. is the fact that you need the input from the parent. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yep. you know, the, the child at whatever age that may be, and obviously the younger you're going to see this greater, is that that child doesn't really have the understanding a lot of times of what is actually going on, why something may be happening. And the adult obviously may be able to give a little bit of a different view and, and have, you know, the understanding that adults tend to have a lot of times over kids in this case. Yeah. Interestingly, um, you'll see, uh, and I'm sure this isn't of any surprise to you or your audience, but you see a lot of diametrically in the early, early, early going here, diametrically opposed views oh, of what's yeah. going on Absolutely, from yes. the child's perspective yes. and the parent's perspective. <laughs> I've got um, three kids. That happens every day to me. So, right, yes. Right. So, so I think from that <laughs> standpoint, um, you know, validating kind of what's going on, it's a great jump off point for discussion, sure. right? When yeah. you're going into these sessions yep. and- what we've found uh, historically with the adult population, kind of the 18 and over, we think will have really interesting implications in the youth population is this idea that we've compressed the time it takes to get at working on the problem okay. from what a traditional kind of 
um, past treatment approach might be. Right. It used to take two, three sessions, which could span a couple of weeks before we got at, okay, we've identified this is your chief problem and now we're going to work on it. Right. Not to say that people aren't working on things, but right. but what what it's migrated to is with our with our product, we've made the first 15 minutes of the first session really full-throated and, and comprehensive and yeah. understanding where it is. And yeah. they're working on the problem before they leave the first session. So when you think about the implications of that, of cost in supporting kids and sure. adults, but also of getting at hyper-severe problems early yeah. um, and trying to get those into a recovery mode, you've got you've got some really exciting things well, happening. And, and you bring up a great point that I wanted to touch on anyway. We're in a time right now where seemingly almost everything surrounding medical yeah. One of the, the, the important conversations is cost. Yeah. And you, it, there are obviously so many ways that I think are, are being looked at right now of how to be able to provide the best care, whether it is, you know, cancer or mental health, whatever mm -hmm. the issue is, how to be able to provide the best care, but also be able to minimize the cost on it as much as possibly you can. And therein lies what probably you're driving at right now of being able to provide that care, but also focus on the business side of it as well. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously it's patient first and we spend so much time on that. Um, but to get to the patient, you've got to make for a business case that works for the system, the plans, yeah. the provider groups and make that all work. And what we found, um, and not surprisingly, is we, we isolated the seven top comorbid diseases out there, ranging from what you would expect diabetes and and on and and cancer to uh, chronic kidney disease you know and the like you can kind of imagine what that disease category would look like but the participation rates of comorbidity and and to define that is disease is present in two different or you have two different disease categories that are kind of working in some cases against each other but are at the same time uh, happening so we we've got um, we've got uh, mental health issues happening and we've got diabetes or we've got mental health and chronic kidney disease happening. Yeah. They, they tend to expand uh, each other um, and the severity of both, both situations. And what you can, you know, as, a, as an illustrative point, and this holds true in those seven disease areas, a disease without a mental health issue costs X. A disease with a mental health issue costs 4X um, oh, wow. when, when you're talking about those participation rates. So so if you think about behavioral health and mental health specifically, but addiction and substance use too, as a lever that you can that you can pull, that you can work with and mm -hmm. manage, it's one of the most uh, it's the one of the least, least expensive levers that you can get after to have the biggest outsized impact across the entire cost of care continuum. And that's where we spend our time with integrated delivery systems is how can we pull a lever and move it 5% and have this effective of 20, 30, 40% on the other side uh, of that lever. It, it is a really compelling value proposition when you look at the numbers. All right, I'm gonna take your, your kind of medical hat off for a second yeah. and put the business hat on. Yeah. A as a businessman, yeah. and, and you know, going through that, what is the process like for you? Because we hear, you know, in terms of being able to get the approvals and, and the process of, of bringing the, there's the technical side, but there's also the dealing with the, you know, the, the bureaucracy side of it. What is that process like? for you as a businessman right now in going through it, in knowing that potentially you have something that can have great benefit to a lot of people, but still going through all of, I, I hate to use the term hurdles, but realistically they are hurdles in terms of getting forward. 
The predominant hurdle out there is there's technology fatigue in our health systems right now. Um, really? Yeah, and and I think it's the hangover from the EHRs and the EMRs. Okay. A lot of capital was deployed to put those systems in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those are largely, again, as I said, compliance-oriented systems. You're sure. checking the box. You want to make sure you have a good handle on this. Yeah. But they're not moving the, the, the needle on care. They're not improving sure. really patient uh, care. That's to be, I think, determined later. Um, and so those spends have, I think, exhausted some folks uh, to that extent. To bring in point solutions like what we have, you need really a clinical champion and you need a business champion sure. at the very least. Yeah. And so we tend to have a, not a lot of challenge in getting clinical champions. The product is really compelling. It, it shows a movement on outcomes that's, you know, at this point kind of indisputable what we've been able to do and right. improving that situation. On the On the provider group side, there's a lot of complexity to both capitated um, at-risk-based provider agreements, provider and payer agreements, and then you've got your traditional fee-for-service sure. you know, yeah. approaches to this. So the economics tend to be a little bit divergent in those particular areas. And so we've had to really embrace putting forth a solution that can can operate in both a risk-based model as well as a fee-for-service-based model. Yeah. So we want to be able to add meaningful revenue yeah. to health systems by creating a reimbursable event with what we're doing. And for the risk-based area, we, we want to be able to compress cost, right? So I, you, I can, can, you I can, can imagine I was going to say, I can imagine what that, what that process has to be like yeah. when, you're, when you're, to a degree, serving two different masters in this process. And often in the same system, right? There's yeah. percentages of their patient portfolio, maybe 25% in risk and 75% in fee-for-service arrangements. So you know, our, health, our healthcare system has not made it easier uh, to, to operate in the environment, but we're getting really compelling results in both models of fee-for-service and risk. And I think, I think when you look at that going forward, we have a, a, a really more than a handful, many handfuls of early adopters that have really jumped into this. Um, I think the proof is in the pudding as mental health just becomes a bigger and bigger issue sure. that yeah. they've got to deal with. We're starting to see RFPs, structured RFPs coming out of large health systems for exactly what we're doing in behavioral health outcomes management platforms, starting in primary care, going all the way to specialty care. So those areas are, are emerging. And I think the next three years are going to be a ride. So is that really the, the focus now for you and for Tritium in terms of reach? You have obviously some of the data that's coming in yeah. from the from the systems you're already working with to be able to expand that and be able to work with as many systems as possible, especially if the data continues to be positive mm. as having that that income that income that impact that you want to have on both patient and the parent and realistically the entire family unit because you're, you're talking about how it, it impacts the entire family, not just the kid or the parent himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've jumped so far past. You know, a lot of companies in our place are doing studies and phase one and pilot type environments with uh, with these health systems. We're we're now well over the 1.1 million patients on our platform, Mark. Yeah. Uh, at any one second in the day, there's five or six patients uniquely interacting with our platform. We did 4,000 patients yesterday yeah. uh, on our platform across all the health systems. I think. I think when you when you think about the scale and scope of the problem, it obviously it dwarfs that. But sure. we we've been able to demonstrate, I think, this ability to scale in big ways in large health systems, the lar some of the largest in the country, um, in complicated payment arrangements, um, meaning with their their provider or their payer groups, and and function at a high performance level. And I think 
I think that just bodes really well for, um, I think, for patients out there and the impact that it'll have because it's it's coming. It, it certainly is showing up in pockets all around the country right now. As this whole process is going on and, and you're collecting all of this data from all of these different cases that are being looked at, are, are you able to start to even determine other areas that are kind of offshoots of what you're doing now that are areas that need to be addressed in the years to come? Yeah, so uh, access is a is a big challenge. Obviously, people being sure. able to get seen by providers right now, and those yeah. providers range from licensed clinical therapists and social work up through psychiatrists. And if anybody's tried to get an appointment to be seen for either even a family issue or or just for themselves. Yeah. If you have coverage, it's 90 days until you can see somebody if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, most of it's out of pocket right now. So so our technology and what we've been migrating our product and our platform to is to expand to incorporate telebehavioral and also sure. facilitate yeah. the opening and expansion of capacity in the existing provider areas. That, you know, when I talked about compressing the timeline from three visits to the first visit of working on a problem, that changes a lot at scale in the availability of providers to take on new patients. And so it's not just compression of cost, it's compression of time and available time for new patients to come in. So our product orientation is towards this whole access conversation where we've been working on outcomes, um, you know, religiously for, for 15 years, but the the gravitational pull towards access and our ability to to, to ferret out and move through that is going to be um, pretty exciting. Uh, we have some great things on the horizon in the next six months that will start to, to chip away at some of the access issues. Well, and it's not only just the access of being able to get to a doctor who's in a hospital system who's incredibly busy already. There's also the element, the aspect of of access in other parts of the country where doctor may be 50 miles away, right. 75 miles away, and somebody that needs that help, that's where the telehealth piece comes into it. And we've talked about it on the show. Right. And seemingly you're a believer that, that telehealth may have the opportunity to really impact the medical community moving forward, even to a degree where, where you're concerned. Yeah, telepsych and telepsychiatry are just really exciting spots because go back to that pulling of the small lever yeah. to affect a big change. If we can get somebody in a video visit, um, yeah. you know, in the middle of the country that is, again, 100 miles from the nearest provider and start making impact there, you're, you're going to and, and those have high incident rates of some of the real chronic diseases uh, around if they're if they're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, if we can start to compress some of the stresses around that and reduce costs, yeah, there's yeah. a real impact there, I think. Quickly in the last two minutes, yeah. what was it that, specifically for you? Yeah. What was it that, that was the driver for you to want to get into this area in the first place? Well, I, I like working on problems that are really interesting. Um, if you can't this, go to this school this, this here, would be a, This would be a big problem that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this uh, one thing you learn here at Wharton, I think, is to, uh, well, you hope you are curious. I mean, I think that's the, the major piece here. And Healthcare is obviously a, a, a massive set of trends and issues around it, around cost, around patient impact, around people just getting better overall. Um, there's obviously a really significant opportunity to build a business, multiple businesses in this in this marketplace beyond even mental health. Um, and we're just super excited about uh, the opportunity to to have the kind of impact. When you wake up in the morning and you know you're building a business that is growing at a, an incredible trajectory, yeah. as well as impacting patients. We had we had 12 suicide saves on our platform last year wow, that's um, fantastic. with the tech um, and supporting these provider groups. So 
um, I, I expect that number will triple, quadruple, sadly, but also in a positive way. So, so yeah. I, you just feel great um, having something that you can do really well at, and you can do well by everybody else at the same time. Great meeting you. Thank you for coming in. All Thanks the best with me. this. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.